Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I know I invited Brother Don to preach, but I think I'm just going to preach myself after that. <laughs> Would y'all mind that? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> thank you for praying for Becky and I. I tell you, we left, uh, got up at 3, left Corpus Christi at 5.30 this morning, got to Houston, everything on time, got to Shreveport, everything on time, could not find my keys. I'm talking 15 minutes. I done tore all the luggage up, everything up, and I have one compartment in that truck that I didn't open, and there they were right there. And then, of course, I was trying to get out of the parking, and I couldn't find my parking ticket. So, But, but God is good. Amen. I'm here. I guarantee you. Hey, you're going to be so blessed this morning. You've already been blessed, but Dr. Don Witt, uh, he's been here many times before. We love him to death from Jackson, Tennessee. He's been in evangelism for about 16 years now. He pastored some 30 years, was a state director of evangelism for Ohio. He just got back from Ethiopia, 131,000 professions of faith uh, this year. Amen. So, and his new wife, Rosita, is here with him too, and we're thrilled to have both of them here today. Brother Don, you come and bring the message. God bless. Well, amen, thank you, Brother Charles. It's a real, real joy to get to be back uh, with you. And I share behind his back and also to his face. Your pastor is one of my favorite, favorite people in the world. I love your pastor. Don't you love your pastor? Yeah. Amen. And uh, he's got a real, real uh, spot in my heart. And so, again, Brother Charles, thank you for allowing me to get to be here with you. And also, uh, it's good to have my wife, Rosita, with me. And uh, y'all, amen. Uh, I, you all have walked with me through the journey over these last several years. Uh, my wife, Judy, passed away five years ago with glioblastoma, brain cancer. And then Rosita's husband passed away. And we both had been married 44 years each. And God brought us together, and we got married last spring, so we sort of kid each other, kid, and tell others that we've got 88 years of experience in this thing now. Uh, but uh, it's a real joy to have her uh, with me and travel with me, and you're going to get to know her and love her. Uh, just share a little bit more about the ministry in Ethiopia. I've been to Ethiopia uh, 15 times over the last 12 years. The first several years were very, very difficult years, uh, sort of just laying the groundwork. But actually, the last four years, we've seen over a half million people saved in the last four years there in the southern sector of Ethiopia. God is moving uh, in that area like I've never seen any place in my life. must be much like it was in, in Korea or in uh, India uh, years ago. But God's moving there, so you all pray for that. And we'll be going back again this next spring. Also here in the States uh, this year, I will preach in 45 different revivals or crusades. And it's different than Ethiopia, but actually we've seen over 2,000 people actually saved here in the United States this year. So God's blessed. And so I'm thankful uh, for that. And again, just thank you all for, for allowing me to get to be here with you. As I said, your pastor is very special in this church 
is very special to me. And so again, thank you so much. I want to preach this morning on the subject, who is that knocking at your door? Let's pray together one more time. Father, I do thank you for how we've already seen you move in the previous service, the decisions that were made there. God, I thank you for how your name has been magnified in this place. God, I thank you for these dear people who've come and publicly testified here before us today how you have literally, radically changed their lives. And God, no man can do that. That's the work of God. And so God, I thank you for that. Now, there are others here today that need a radical change in their heart. And God, you're up to that business today. And I do pray that we'll see people come to you. I pray especially now for that person that's in this building that's nearest to hell. I pray the day they'll come to Christ and be saved. May the only spirit that be in this building be the Holy Spirit. And I pray that he'll have freedom to walk up and down these aisles and out these pews. And with the invitations extended in a few moments, there's going to be a freedom for people to respond to your call to this altar and come to Christ. What takes place here, may it bring joy in heaven. May your perfect will be accomplished. May the name of Jesus be honored. In his name I pray. And again, all God's people say, amen. Have you ever had someone come and knock at your door? But before you go and open up that door, you walk over and you peep out the blinds. And the reason you peep out the blinds is because you want to know who's knocking at that door. And the reason you want to know who's knocking at that door is because you're going to make up your mind whether or not you're going to open up that door. Have you ever done that? Why, well, sure, we've all done that. And in these days, you'd better know who's knocking at that door before you open up that door. You know, through the years, there have been many times that I've gone out, I've knocked on doors. And some strange, surprising things took place. I remember when I was uh, probably 13, 14 years old, uh, it was on a Halloween. And we were out of school that day, and my buddy and I got this idea that uh, we were going to make a dummy. And so we worked all day making a dummy. And we dressed him up in overalls, a flannel shirt, and we made him a head and put a hat on the head and we put red, red, red paint all around his neck and on his head. We separate his head about that far from his body. And so we got this bright idea when everything calmed down that night. We were going to go down the road to where one of my buddies lived and we were going to have a little fun. And so we went there and we laid that dummy and his head about that far away from his body. And I, I ran up and I knocked on the door real loud. And then we ran to the corner of the house to see what was going to happen. And my buddy's mother came. She looked out in the yard. She began to cry. I will never forget it. Elsie, Elsie, oh, Elsie, you're dead. And the whole family began to cry. My buddy cried and his sister cried. I did not know. L.C. was his mother's brother. He was a drunk. And they didn't know where he'd been for three or four days. And he always wore overalls, a flannel shirt, and a hat. 
And they were just certain that that was L.C. And finally, when she saw that it was a dummy, she began to cry out words that you don't say in Sunday school. <laughs> and me and my other buddy started running up the road. And before I even got back home, she'd already called my mama. <laughs> it got bad at my house that night. Now, I promise you, I, I don't do that anymore when I knock on doors. I, I stopped that. But you know, uh, in the Bible, there are some very important times where you read the word knock. And I want to show you three places in the Bible where you find the word knock. And I want to show you how they have definite meanings for us. Number one, there is a knock that is never in vain. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and verse 8, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Here it is. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. The Bible says there is a knock. And if any person at any time will come and knock at that door, that God will open that door. That simply means that any person who wants to be saved can be saved. Don't ever get the idea that there's people who cannot be saved. God wants everybody to be saved. Jesus died for everyone. Amen? And as far as God is concerned, there is no reason for any person to walk out of this building today lost without Christ. Jesus said, knock and it shall be opened. Now we know that is true for at least three reasons. Number one, the Word of God declares it. No matter where you open up the Bible, you're going to find the grace of God walking out to meet you. I mean from Genesis to Revelation, the Spirit of God says, knock and it shall be open. And then the second reason we know that statement is true is because the Son of God proclaims Himself to be that door. Jesus said in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. That simply means if you'll come to Jesus today, he'll save you. And then the third reason we know that statement is true is because the people of God can testify that there was a time and there was a place that they came and they knocked on that door and God opened that door and God saved their soul. How many of you can testify that there was a time and there was a place in your life where you came and you knocked on that door and God opened that door and God saved your soul? Amen. And so, number one, there is a knock that is never in vain. Number two, there is a knock that is often in vain. In Revelation 3, verse 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. There is a knock that is often in vain. Now, there are three things I want you to notice about that knock. Notice, first of all, the man who is knocking. What you have there is a picture of Jesus. It is Jesus standing at the door, and he's knocking. No doubt uh, many of you have seen that beautiful painting of Holman Hunt, where Christ is standing at the door. How many of you have seen that beautiful painting? Very beautiful painting. And when you look at that painting, the first thing that jumps out to you is this. There's no door handle. There's no doorknob on that door. That's a very important scriptural truth. That lets you know that God will never force his way into your life. That Jesus will never kick in the door. If that door is going to be open, it must be open 
from the inside. That's a very important scriptural truth. But in that painting, the artist misbetrayed something. He pictured Jesus there as a humble shepherd. <clears throat> but if you look back in Revelation 1, 13 through 16, don't look at it now, but look at it later, you're going to discover that the Jesus that was riding to those seven churches and the Jesus that's knocking that door was not a namsy-pamsy weak Jesus. But rather he was and he is God Almighty. He's the King of glory. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As you said here this morning, and Jesus comes and knocks at your heart's door, he's not knocking there as a humble shepherd, but rather he's knocking as God Almighty. That's the man who is knocking. And then notice the methods that he uses when he knocks. You know, as I look through the Bible, I discover there are two basic methods that Jesus uses when he knocks. First of all, he comes and he knocks with blessings. Romans 2, verse 4, Are despised thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Look up here. God's a good God. You ought to get saved today. You ought to come to Christ today. You ought to get right with God today because of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Amen? Now, if you don't hear anything else I say, hear that. God loves you. God's a good God. I mean, we are going to celebrate Thanksgiving this week. We're celebrating the goodness of God. Amen? God's a good God. And when God is being good to you, that's God's way of saying, I want to save you. I want to live in your heart. God says, I put a roof over your head. I put clothes on your back. I put food on your table. I've given you a good husband. I've given you a good wife. I've given you good children. I've given you good friends. Please let me in. You say, well, preacher, God's good to everybody. That's right. God wants everybody to be saved. So often people don't understand that. They think when everything's going good in my life, I, I don't need God. Oh, no, you've missed it. God is being good to you because God is saying, I love you and I want to save you. Amen? But if you will not open up your heart's door when he comes knocking with blessings, then he'll come knocking with burdens. If you look on down in Romans 2, verse 8 and verse 9, but unto them that are contentious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. If you do not open up your heart's door when he comes knocking with blessings, then he'll come knocking with burdens. Have you ever heard anyone stand and give a testimony like this? I was in an automobile accident, and as a result of that accident, I gave my heart to Christ. That was no accident. That was God getting that person's attention saying, you need me. Some of you are having family problems. That's God saying, you need me. Some of you are going through financial difficulties. That's God saying, you need me. You find yourself there in that hospital bed looking up in the face of God. That's God saying, you need me. If you will not open your heart's door when he comes knocking with blessings, he'll come knocking with burdens. Listen, some of you, God's taken a two before and hit you over the head with it. And you say, duh. I just can't understand why I'm having all these problems. Bubba, wake up. That's God saying, you need me. 
Let me save you. You see, those are not just happen chances, but rather those are divine occurrences that God is allowing to come to your life saying, you need me. Let me save you. And then notice not only the man and not only the methods, but also notice the missing of this knock. Look back there again in Revelation 3, verse 20. Notice the verbs that are used in that verse. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in him. Now, Brother Charles, I'm not a Greek scholar. Uh, Aaron, you may be a Greek scholar. Case, you may be a Greek scholar. I'm not. I'm not. But I do know some things about the language, and I, I know how to use certain tools to understand more about it. And the tenses of the verbs there are very, very important. When Jesus said, behold, I stand, that's in the perfect active tense. And then he says, and knock. That's in the present active tense. Now, aren't you impressed? You say, wow. So what? Well, here's what that means. When he says, behold, I stand. I've taken my stand. And it has everlasting, eternal consequences. And I knock. And I knock, 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 and I keep on knocking. Most people don't understand that. They say, oh, I know he'll knock when we come to church on Sunday morning. I know he'll knock when we have worship like we have here. I know he'll knock when the preacher reads the Bible. I know he'll knock when the preacher preaches. I know he'll knock when the invitation's extended. But we have the idea that when we walk out those doors, he stops knocking. Oh, no. Yes, he will knock when the invitation is extended. But I want to tell you, when you walk out those doors today, he's still knocking. When you get in your car, he's still knocking. When you go home this afternoon, he's still knocking. When you go to work or school tomorrow, he's still knocking. You say, well, I just don't sense that. Well, let me explain it to you like this. As we've gathered in here, we've got our ears on. Amen? We're, we're tuned in to hear from God right now as we've sat here. But when we walk out those doors, there's so much noise out there. There's so much racket out there. We get in the car, turn on the radio, put in the CD, go home this afternoon, turn on the television, NASCAR's about ready to crank up. Yeah! Cowboys may lose again. I hope they don't. Go to work tomorrow, people are talking, people are laughing. Go to school, people are talking, people are laughing. But I want to tell you, Jesus has taken his stand. And he's knocking, and he's knocking, and he's knocking, and he's knocking, and he's knocking. He's going to keep on knocking. He's going to keep on knocking until one of two things takes place. Either you go and open up that door and you ask him to come in, or the day may come when he'll stop knocking and he'll turn and walk away. And then you'll be able to come to a service like this, not be troubled, not be bothered. You say, oh, everything's okay now. No, the worst of all things has happened. You've crossed over that deadline and he'll never knock again. Brother Charles, this is one of the most dangerous 
conditions for a person to get in. Jesus comes and knocks. But they have the idea that I don't need to have him come in because I already got him in. And you know the devil will, will deceive you at that point. The devil will try to say, now wait a minute. Don't you remember when you got baptized? Don't you remember when you joined the church? I mean, you've already got Jesus. What do you mean? Listen, it's one thing to have the things of Jesus, but it's something other to have Jesus. When I was in seminary, the seminary, at Southwestern in Fort Worth, I pastored in Mahia, Texas. Y'all know where Mahia, Texas is? Mahar? <laughs> Did I say it right? Yeah. Well, I pastored the First Baptist Church at Point Enterprise, Texas, at Mahia, Texas. And uh, there was a dear, dear couple there, May and Alvin Sellers. He was actually the chairman of our deacons, chairman of the pulpit committee, and he sort of, they just sort of became like our parents away from home back then when we were younger. And our first son was born while we were there, and Miss Sellers actually became more like his memo away from home. But I will never forget the first time when I went into their home. And we sat there for a little while, and, and Miss Sellers looked at me, and she said, uh, ah, Preacher, I, I want to show you Judy's room. Now, Judy was her daughter who'd passed away three or four years before that. And we walked back to the bedroom. I couldn't, I'd never seen anything like it. I mean, there was her bed, all the pillows puffed up there on the bed, all of her little toy dolls and everything were there on her bed. There was the closet with all of her clothes hanging there just like she'd left that very morning. And I looked at Miss Sellers and I said, uh, why, why have you left it this way? And she said, well, it just makes me feel like Judy is still here. But Judy was not there. The things of Judy was there, but Judy was not there. You say, I got baptized. It makes me feel like I have Jesus. I take the Lord's Supper. It makes me feel like I have Jesus. I give money to the church. It makes me feel like I have Jesus. I've got a big family Bible on our coffee table. It just makes me feel like I have Jesus. But it's one thing to have the things of Jesus, but it's something different to have Jesus. You say, well, how do you get Jesus into your heart? When he comes and he knocks at your heart's door, you go to that door and through repentance and faith, you open up that door and you ask him to come in and he'll come in, and he'll save you. Yes, he'll save you. Number one, there is a knock that is never in vain. Number two, there is a knock that is often in vain. And then number three, there is a knock that is always in vain. Lost friend, there can come a time when it'll be too late to be saved. Too late to come to Christ. Too late to get right with God. If you look on over in Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13, Beginning in verse 22. The Bible says that he, that is Christ, went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter into the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will enter, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and have shut to the door, 
And you begin to stand without, and here it is, and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open it to us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence you are. Jesus said there's going to come a day when there are going to be those that are going to come to heaven's door. And they're going to knock on heaven's door. And they're going to say, Lord, did not we eat and drink in your presence? Did not I preach in your name? Did not I teach in your name? Did not I sing in your name? Lord, did not I do this? Did not I do that? And the Lord is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And the Bible says the door is shut. Now, when God shuts the door, you're a goner. There's no hope. Question, how can the door be shut? Let me give you three ways real quick the door can be shut. Number one, the door can be shut by death. When a person dies lost, there'll be no more opportunities for them to be saved. You're either saved in this life or you'll never be saved. And the truth is, we don't know when we're going to die. One of my favorite philosophers was Yogi Berra. How many of y'all recognize the name Yogi Berra? Okay, all the old people. <laughs> Yogi Berra, the baseball man. He had 10 World Series rings. He is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But even more famous than being a baseball man, he was famous for his yogiisms, the little statements that he would make. For example, uh, Yogi made this statement. He said, you better go to other people's funerals because they might not come to yours. Now, some of you will get that tomorrow. Some of you a little slow. It'll, it'll hit you. Yogi said he'd ordered a pizza on one occasion and went to the pizza place to pick the pizza up. And when he got there, the pizza man said, now, I've not cut up your pizza yet. Did you want it cut up in six pieces or 12 pieces? Yogi thought for a few moments. He said, well, you better cut it up in six pieces. I'm not real sure I can eat 12. And then Yogi made this statement. He said, I know one day I'm going to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Well, Yogi, you were there because a few years ago, you died. Look at the pew you're sitting in right now. There's been someone who said exactly where you're sitting right now. And Jesus came and knocked their heart's door, and they said no. And they walked out those doors, and they died. And they're in hell today. And then the second way that door can be shut is by the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. Brother Charles, I'm not a date setter. The Bible warns against that. But as I look at the Bible and look at the signs and indications that the coming of Christ is very near and look what's taking place in the world today, it says we better pack up our bags because His coming is very near. Amen? You said here today, you're lost, you say no to Jesus. If Jesus were to come this afternoon, all we who are saved, we're out of here. Color me gone. I'm out of here, amen? But if you're lost, you're going to be left behind, cast in the great tribulation, deceived by the Antichrist, and ultimately be doomed to hell forever. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. You know, a few years ago, there was a series of books and and some videos that came out about being left behind. And in that, it indicated that many were going to be saved during the tribulation period. Well, I've got a word for you. It won't be you. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 and 11. That if they will not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. That God shall send them strong delusions that they shall believe, literally, the lie, the Antichrist. 
that they might be damned. Listen, the love of God's in this place today. The grace of God's in this building. Amen? I mean, God's grace is walking up and down these aisles. God's love is moving in throughout this place. And if you won't get saved in a time, in a place where God's grace and God's mercy is so real, you won't get saved when judgment begins to fall. And then the third way that door can be shut is by you crossing God's deadline and sending away your day of grace. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's suppose, Brother Charles, you and I go out this afternoon. We go over here and we visit a home. We go over there and we knock on the door. They run over and they peep out the blinds. They say, it's those old preachers out there. There's those old preachers. They don't look so pious. Some of you have done him that way. Looked at the red faces. <laughs> and I say, Pastor, maybe, maybe they're not dressed. Or maybe the house is a little messed up. They'd be embarrassed to have us come in. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go on and make some more visits. And so we go make some more visits. Come back about an hour and a half, two hours later. And knock on the door again. Same thing. Same thing. And I look and I say, Pastor, I just don't believe they want us, do you? And we turn and we walk away. Some of you, ever since you were a little boy, a little girl, Jesus has had his finger around your heart. And he's been knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. And you've been saying, no, no, no. You can say no one time too many. And cross over that deadline, send away your day of grace, and you're just as sure of hell as if you were already there. Romans 1.24, and God gave them up. Romans 1.26, and God gave them up. Romans 1.28, and God gave them over to a reprobate mind. It may well be there's someone here, and Jesus is going to knock at your heart's door today, and you say no. And you walk out those doors, and God signs your death certificate. And the Holy Ghost takes his flight, and he never knocks again. You saw a preacher, whenever I get ready to get saved, I'll get saved. No, you won't. You'll only get saved when the Holy Ghost calls you. Genesis 6, 3, my spirit shall not always strive with a man. Years ago, I was preaching in a crusade in Mount Oro, Ohio, southern Ohio, out at a fairground, a little set of bleachers there. I was in a stand out in front of the bleachers. And, and every night there was an older gentleman that sat right over here at the foot of the bleachers. Not in the bleachers, but in a lawn chair. He brought his lawn chair sat there every night. At the closing night of the crusade on Friday night, he came and he stood in front of me. And he looked at me and he said, Preacher, he said, I took that step tonight. I said, Great. Good. I thought he got saved, wouldn't you? Great. Good. He said, oh, no, preacher. He said, I took that step tonight, and I crossed God's deadline, and I'm going to hell. He said, I crossed that deadline, and I'm going to hell. You remember the first time that Jesus came and knocked at your heart's door? I'm not talking about the first time you heard the name of Jesus. But do you remember the first time that, that he came and he knocked at your heart's door? Remember Remember how hard, how strong he was knocking? I mean, there was no doubt about it. It was Jesus. He was knocking. He was saying, let me come in. Let me save you. And you said no. 
And then the next time he came and he knocked. But this time, not nearly as hard, not nearly as strong. And you said no. And as you said here this morning, you can barely hear him knock. Oh, listen, you better come or you can still hear him knock. Lost friend, do you hear Jesus knocking at your heart's door right now? Do you sense that knock right now there at your heart? Do you hear him knock? Do you sense that knock right now? Do you hear him knocking? What are you going to do about it? Oh, listen, won't you go to your heart's door and through repentance and faith, open up that door. Ask him to come in. And if you'll ask him to come in, he'll save you. Yes, he'll save you. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Now, I wonder how many here today would say, Preacher, there's been a time, there's been a place in my life where I have repented of my sin, I've trusted Christ to save me. And I know for certain, if I died this very moment, I'd be with God in heaven. No question about it. I didn't just join a church. I didn't just get baptized. I didn't just have an emotional experience. But there's been a time and a place that I can go back to in my mind where I know God saved my soul. And I know for certain, no question, no question about it, I know if I died this very moment, I'd be with God in heaven. If you can give that testimony and be honest about it, I'm going to ask you if you will, just lift your hand up as a testimony. Now, don't lift it if you don't know for sure. But if you know for sure, just hold it up there just for a moment. Don't lift it unless you know for sure. But if you know it, hold it up there just for a moment. Okay, thank you. God bless you. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, there are many, many of you today that did not lift up your hand. And I want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Because before you'll ever get saved, you've got to get honest. You've got to get honest with yourself. You've got to get honest with God. But there's no reason for any person to walk out of here today not knowing for certain that when you die, you're going to be with God in heaven. And I'm going to ask you, if you did not lift up your hand, or even some of you who lifted up your hand, but you'd say, Preacher, I really don't know for sure. This is something I've struggled with for a long time. And I need to get it settled today. I'm going to ask you to let me lead you in a prayer right where you're sitting. Make this your prayer where you ask God, forgive you of your sin and ask Jesus to come to your heart to save you. You may want to pray out loud. You may want to pray silently. But the main thing is you pray it in your heart, pray it to God and really mean it. Now just saying the words will not save you. You must mean it from your heart. Let me lead you in that prayer right now. Pray with me right where you're at as a youngster, as a teenager, as an adult, maybe as a church member, but you really don't know for sure you're saved. Let me lead you in that prayer right now. Pray with me right where you're at. Pray with me right now. Pray with me. Say, dear God, pray with me. Say, dear God, I know you love me. I know Jesus died for me on the cross. I know Jesus came out of that grave and he's alive. But God, I have sinned against you and I'm lost. And I cannot save myself. God, forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, come into my heart right now and save my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. Now, I'm going to ask every one of you 
that asked Jesus to save you the best you knew how just then. I'm going to ask you, if you will, just to open your eyes, look up at me. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you anyway. I just want to ask you two or three questions. If you trusted Christ just then, look up here at me. Look up here at me, over here. Young man, did you pray that decision? Amen. Okay. Others over here? Okay. Down here? Back there? Okay. Anyone over here? Look here. Say, preacher, I made that decision. Okay. Sir? Amen. Great. Anyone else over here? There in the balcony? Amen. There in the balcony? Did you trust Christ? Amen. Amen. Those in the balcony? There? Sweetheart, did you trust Christ in the balcony? It's not your head. Amen. Okay. Over here. Okay. Now, those of you who trusted Christ just then, look up here at me. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to ask you three questions. Number one, do you know God loves you? 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 Amen. Do you know God loves you? Over here, do you know God loves you? Sweetheart, you know God loves you there in that balcony. You know he loves you. You know he loves you, sir. Amen. You know he loves you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That means God loves you. He really does. Then let me ask you a second question. This is real important. You know that Christ died for you on the, your sins. You know he died for you. You know he died for you. You know he died for you. Nod your head. You know he died for you. Amen. You know he died for you. 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 Over here. You know, he died for you. The Bible says Christ died for our sins. That means you're so special. If you'd been the only person, Jesus would have died just for you. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? You're that special. He'd have died just for you. You're that special. Hey, you're that special. Young man, you're that special. If you'd been the only person, he'd have died just for you. Then let me ask you a third question. This is real important. Are you ashamed of Jesus? 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 Sir, are you ashamed of Jesus? You're not ashamed of him, are you? Sweet young kids, you're not ashamed of Jesus, are you? You're ashamed of him? You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him. Oh, listen, he's not ashamed of you. He went to that cross, and he openly and he publicly died there for you. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. Brother Charles is going to come stand here at the front right now. In a moment, I'm going to ask every one of you that asked Christ to come to your life, just come stand in front of the pastor. By you coming, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Not going to have to give a speech. Not going to be embarrassed anyway. He's just going to have a word of prayer with you, share with you things going to help your life as a Christian. But by you coming, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Look up here. You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him. You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him. You're not ashamed of him. You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him. There in the balcony, you're not ashamed of him. Sir, you're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him. I'm going to ask every one of you that asked Christ to come to your life just then. Just stand up right now. Walk right here to the pastor right now. Come on. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come. Come on. Come. Out of the balcony. Others. Come on. Amen. Amen. Come on. Walk right here. Come on. Come on. Amen. Come. Come on. Come. Others. Real quick. Others. Come on. Others. How about it over here? Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen. Come on. Others need to come. Come, 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 come. Anyone else over here? Come on, come on, sir. Come on, amen. God bless you. Come on, come on, amen. Come on, young man. 
Come on. Others, over here. Come. Come. Come on. Others, come on. Now, you may be here and you've not yet made that decision, but you need to make it. You say, I need someone to take a Bible and show me how to be saved. You come. We'll take a Bible and show you how to be saved. But if you're here today and you don't know for sure, listen, this is the place to get it settled here today. I mean, God's Spirit's in this place today. You come. You respond. As we sing, I'm going to ask you to stand. Others that need to come, there are going to be men here at the front, ladies here at the front, be able to pray with you, share with you. You come. Let's sing. Come on. Come on. Let's stand. I hear the Savior.